just kind of get it sitting about there. Have you listened to a Joe Rogan podcast before? I have. And he says, you know, about a fist from you. From there? Yeah. Okay. So Good to you, know. You pull that a little bit closer. It keeps me from sitting, you know, i got to sit, up, sit upright. Sit upright. I'm prone to slouching, you know. <laughs> Sweet. Ethan, mate, um, you came highly, highly recommended from Siobhan. How did you touch base with him? You said something about Cobb Pass Road or yeah, yeah, throwing yeah. tin. Throwing tin. So uh, weightlifting and probably New Zealand's oldest weightlifting gym. No, no, no joke. It's... Uh, was built by weightlifters for weightlifters. It's very much like walking into 60s or 70s Russia, I would have. I've never been to Russia, but that's how I'd imagine it to be. Nice. So, Olympic lifting as well? As, is there powerlifting as yeah, well? Yeah, there's power, predominantly powerlifting now, but um, names like David Leddy, uh, you know, Commonwealth gold so, medalist and okay. Olymp- Olympic Games weightlifter as well. He's currently Who's lifting out of it. Uh, oh, he actually used to lift out of there too. The, the really old footage? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his name's actually on the board there. Yeah. I couldn't tell you his name right off the bat. It's been a few years since I've been there, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like classic characters. You know, guys <laughs> from the Commonwealth Games who had medals and stuff would turn up on a Saturday and listen to the races and mm-hmm. talk a bit of smack. So. <laughs> The ra- like horse races, horse geez. races. Yeah, yeah. We we had like a transistor radio. I'm I'm telling you, man. Like the the, the place is going back in time. So what's the quirk with throwing tin above your head? That's ridiculous. Yep. Most people can't even lift off the ground. Yep. And, and horse racing. Small um, small people jumping riding horses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I I think it's it's not super lucrative the sport, you know. So like you've got <laughs> to make your money somehow. <laughs> I don't know if horse bed on the GGs is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. It's sort of like you either eat or you don't. It's, yeah. it's feast or famine with the uh, the horse racing and being a bus driver and lifting weight. <laughs> oh, my God. What an atmosphere. Oh, truly. Like, it, it is, it's pretty impressive. Like, it really does breed some quite impressive athletes. But at the same time, it's sort of, yeah. It's got a long way to come. Is it coming to the 21st or even 22nd? Yeah, we need, you know, you said about Russia, we need a little bit of that bloody Russian programming. Like, hey, mate, this is what you're, you're a big dude, this is what you do. Yeah, pretty pretty much. This is like, this is your life now. Mm. Like, n- nothing else. You know that job that you had? Forget it. Like, <coughs> you're a weightlifter now. This is, this is your life. Yeah. Throw everything t- to the wall. So how did you end up in that environment? Because, like, the old... The old Auckland Uni gym had a good uh, cohort of power lifters. Yep. We, by the, by the, actually, by the last year there, they managed to make the floor a bit more inviting to do some Olympic lifting. They started allowing you to drop plates, get, get some bumpers in. Which yeah, was, got some bumpers, yeah. Which was nice. Um, well, I like I, I went to Les Mills, don't ask me why, but I, I was there for hey, a little while. I went to Les Mills for a while. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, like... Here's <laughs> a purpose. Ab- absolutely, there's... It's a it's a great place. And Victoria Street, they had one of the, I think it was one of the uh, platforms that was actually in the 1990 Commonwealth Games. Nice. And they actually had a few plates from there and things like that. Because Les was a discus thrower, right? Yeah, discus or shot put. Yeah. Sorry, Les. <laughs> one of New Zealand's most famous names. Yeah, absolutely. What did you actually do specifically, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he made a gym, but I think prior to that. <laughs> yeah. Another fun fact about Les Mills. You know the song, uh, For Today, uh, is it like Near the World Dancing Toys or something? 
I remember your smile. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the lead singer of that is this is New Zealand Uncle's cousin, and he actually produces all the tracks for all Les Mills glasses. No way. That's his gig. <laughs> Man, that's a hell of a gig. That's... So you know, you know how you're rocking a spin class, and especially now that it's all you know online, you can do online programming from Les Mills. Yeah, multinational, man. Yeah, you know, you can do your, uh, what do they call it, heat class at home, or your grit, grit, not heat, isn't it? <laughs> Jeez, get the branding right, eh? Les Mills, sorry bro, we're, we're, just, we're yeah. just butchering your product. <laughs> <laughs> and your name, I'm sorry, yeah. probably not even saying it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if he is Leslie. He is Leslie. Yeah. Sorry for the tongue click, but yeah, he's Leslie. Um. Mum and Dad, Mum used to work at Les Mills. Yeah. Uh, she was pregnant with me while still working at Les Mills. Nice. And Dad Dad managed to, through Mum, wrangle a, a life membership. Yes. So both of them are life members with Les Mills. And, and then they actually got personally invited to, I think it was the 50th anniversary. Work it. Some huge anniversary a few <laughs> years ago. So, you know, it's, it's, it's in the blood. Yeah. And Philip, he actually came up to me a few times while I was training and was just like, oh, you know, you're... You're Denise's son. It's so lovely to see you here. So, you know, they're really lovely, polite people, but I digress. We, I was there and I, I started learning some Olympic weightlifting and then um, from that went to a little bit of CrossFit. Was mm-hmm. you know, sort of, uh, I was curious because it incorporated weightlifting, but I was more so just... You wanted to do the actual specific... Yeah, I just wanted to do the sport of weightlifting. So. And so programming-wise, like, you're doing, hey, so friend, 21, 15, 9... Of, uh, of what is that a thruster? Yes, you know, compared to programming of weightlifting, you got a high box and you're just doing some, you know, like uh, clean jerks, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, part, partial from from the raised, yeah, you know, to yeah, the hip yeah. extension, absolutely, all of that high like, pull, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's uh, it's not quite as the 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 rep orientation is nowhere near the same. Mm. I think at the most you'll do ten reps, and mm-hmm. that is like you will be heaving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not known for your uh, cardiovascular, yeah, you know, endurance. So well, who, who's the Lithuanian fellow that's just like every meet, just moving his world record up? Ah, oh, um, he's actually Georgian. Georgian, sorry. Yeah, yes. yeah, and. Gosh, I'm- Starting world wars now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, especially in the Eastern Bloc. Yeah, um, that's what we're talking about yeah. before Serbia, Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> not only that, but man, think about the what have we got right now? Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, in the Ukraine, it's not, it's not good. It doesn't look good. All things Jim. Where is the big fella? Yeah, he's a big fella, right? Lasher is his name. Here he goes. Two fifteen snatch. Just oh, I think he did two twenty five. Yeah. Um, you'll have to forgive my pronunciation of his last name, Talak Hadzi, I think it's... Nailed it, I swear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> T-A-L-A-K-H-A-D-Z-E. Five times European champion, five times world champion, Olympic champion, Rio 2016 and Tokyo 2020-21. Best lifter of the year three times. And there's a video of him training doing a 150 muscle snatch and you're like oh cool <laughs> yeah so i think the best muscle snatch i ever did was like 80 kilos and it was so hard and i'm pretty sure i hurt my shoulder doing it. <laughs> like this guy makes it all look easy up into 200 kilos for his training lifts i mean it's it's fantastic to watch and such a great 
example of weightlifting as well because he makes it look easy. Mm. But a little bit different on my level. What's your what was your weight category? I was one oh five. I think at the the heaviest I got was one ten. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I was I, I would slim down for my meets, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, um one of our bouncers at the cook was a powerlifter and yeah, he's trying to be under a hundred for his meets. You know, I what, feel for it, man. What That's was, what was brutal. it going like two two hundred two hundred um inch, was it? It's yeah. That's moving some tin, man. Yeah. It might have even been two twenty bit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna I wanna know where Eddie Dawkins is um sitting his weight weight at. Because um yeah, he's trying for the three hundred dead at the moment. Go Eddie. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a few guys so again from that gym we, we call it Gilly's Ave, so you yeah. know, shout out to Gilly's Ave and Dominic who's there and um David as well. But uh he he has a, a couple of guys who, who put three hundred on the map of like man, I, I tell you, like he he does it with ease. It's uh So that thousand is that a pound total? Thousand yes. pound total. Yes. Yeah. So I mean that's not it's not huge by comparison, but you know, like you hear about guys in the States doing three thousand pound oh total. So like technically speaking, if you were to split it between the three lifts, it's a thousand pounds each that's right yeah yeah so you know anywhere between sort of like four i don't know what the conversion is but 400 kilos for probably a squat and a deadlift and you know like up there to push it over that Mm. huge huge numbers (laughs) so like you're training in the same gym as these guys is there much crossover in your programming or no absolutely not it's more just us giving them a hard time about their range of motion and <laughs> how, how long they go between sets and stuff like that. You know, it's it's really our only leverage because you know you've got women in there who are lifting. You know, they make men's totals look like garbage, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, the, some of the girls that the powerlifters are training are fantastic lifters, like unbelievable athletes. So it's it's really quite cool to see and motivating, but. At the same time, it's like, well, I've got to get my own back here. Yeah, own back. So you, did you learn those sort of lessons that it's your total is what you put on the bar and moving your bar? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and really, because of the, the way the place is, quite often you would be training alone. So, right. you know, um, it was it was like, if you didn't have that mentality to begin with, like you had to learn it or else it's a pretty lonely environment. Like I'm telling you, it's it's cold, and in the winter it's cold, so not a lot of people go there. It's not quite and your like bars cold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and then you like you might tear calluses or you scrape up your shins or something. It's it's really just like a mental as much as it is a a physical. Mm. So it's it's a it's a cool place. I loved it. Mm. It was it wasn't until I I got the the head injury that's when I had to sort of stop. Pull so what, what happened to you there? Oh man, it is, it's almost embarrassing. I walked into a garage door, mm-hmm. like a roller garage door, and it was about, yeah. uh, you know, it picked me up just before the hairline. So you know last week when you were putting that little bit on, on the garage door, where you're kind of like, oh no, let's keep it a little higher. Yeah, every, every, every time, every time, it's like, we could go, we could go bigger, you know, like that. It's like, so um, I, I did that, and then about 30 minutes later, I... I don't remember like anything that happened after that, and I woke up in hospital. 
Oh my god. Yeah, and it was uh, it was sort of like the I the thing that rings out to me was um the the doctor saying you might not feel like yourself for a couple of days. Mm. And then it, it just carried on for mm. months and mm. months and mm. months and I don't even remember like what it really feels like to be the same like I don't really feel like I'm the same guy from that day to so to that, now sort of thing. I can relate to you. That's <laughs> and uh that that is a common narrative story. Um, apparently, the the Roseanne Barr thing. She, apparently, she used to be like a mathematician whiz. She got hit by a car, and then she became this funny crass lady. <laughs> 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 apparently, Sam Kinison a bit the same, like preacher sort of dude, yep. like Holy Christian. Yep. Got hit by a car, became this funny crass dude. <laughs> um, my ex reckons I changed quite a lot after after what happened to me. Um, You'll have to. For me, oh, I personally, got, I got like whacked in the side of the head. So two of us attacked off the office scrum. Um, they went blindside. I was blindside flanker, charging over. We're playing against Marist, and, and being Catholic upbringing, I always quite like uh, playing against Marist. Um, and yeah, I was going for it, and unfortunately, the wing was also going for it, and we kind of wrapped around the guy, and the top of his head hit me in the temple, and then I didn't get knocked out, but I went to stand up and like put my hands on the ground and my, then my feet kind of like rotated around and I, so then I sat down and I was like oh shit the old physio comes over she's like um, how are you going I was like not good and which was probably a, a great thing that I was very aware I had you know, been on Tom so I'd studied some yes, some concussion yes. stuff I'd had a couple already <laughs> um, <laughs> and then she goes well who did we play last week and I was looking at her I just went nah and then she's like, what's the score? And I was like, nope. And and then I got to the sideline. That was all right. And then I was sitting there knowing I was facing south in Cambridge, but feeling like I was facing north. I was like, this is great. My girlfriend, well, at the time, she's like, well, what did we have for dinner last night? I made it. I was like, oh, I can't remember. And then went to the shower. I was like, but dad was going to be coming to watch. And <clears throat> so I was messaging him being like, oh, I just about to have a shower and then I'm going to go to the hospital and we were planning on going to Auckland so I was like well you know I won't see, won't see you but I was like able to think what I wanted to say but I couldn't text message um, and it was just so hard and then in the shower I had to like grab my arm to move my arm on on my body and then um, got home Smash another exogenous ketones because I had heard that that's supposed to help get your brain some energy again. Yep. Because it doesn't need the insulin to pass in, so you can get some energy back in your brain. And three times as I said to my girlfriend, like, I need to grab my toilet bag. She's like, you've done that. <laughs> and then half an hour by the time I got into the GP, started being able to text dad properly, um, did the SCAT 5 and passed it. And the doctor was like, did you get Gus? I was like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So he had like two two weeks with him. I think we, well, my return to play ended up being three weeks. And yeah, then we got to play the last two games of the season. We won the comp, so that was oh. good. But fucking, it's not fun, eh? To to be aware that you're not yourself anymore. Absolutely, and it's like a a constant battle because you've got to be able to accept that you know maybe some things have changed or maybe you can't quite do some of these things like uh, for me it was big gaps so someone could speak to me yeah and say you know cut this bit of plywood and you know and do it exactly like this and i'd be like 
Yeah. Oh man. And then and then go off and do something like completely different and they come back and they're like, you know, you remember like I asked you to do this? And I'm like Yeah. Nope. Like oh, oh, wow. oh and it was like it really created suit like some serious issues with work. I was about to say, so what was the what was the conversation like? Um that well it's sort of like, Do you understand what we're doing here sort of thing? And I was like you know, the like building. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for, for <laughs> I can't give you more than that. Like it was early and early in building as well. So I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't a great showing by my part. But mm. technically speaking, I probably shouldn't have even been at work. Like I was just trying to push on because I thought it was the idea to, you know, really showcase that I'm hard enough to be a builder. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So it was. Um, yeah, that was it was brutal, man. And you know, like, uh, and what year was this? Like, literally, first year, like maybe six months in or something. And, and that year, uh, twenty seventeen. Oh, same year. <laughs> good year, that. Yeah, yeah. good vintage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, whew, like, yeah, I I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Yeah. Like, and and for the people that do unfortunately have to go through that because i mean it's unfortunately just a part of it you can just get a head knock by simply tapping your head on a garage door or you can Mate, have I a did head it the crash. other day and i was packing myself yeah i was like don't need that no i yeah dropped something behind the patient chair and i went to pick it up and then came up and smacked the top of my head on the shelf there and i was like and and then like on my teeth i was like oh dear and I was just kind of sitting there for the next half an hour, like you were saying, going, you know, please don't give me some aura and, you know, have to go home today. <laughs> yeah, I really, yeah. So I, I, I don't wish it upon anyone. Yeah. And, you know, I hope people just look after themselves if they do go through it because mm. it's, oh. So, so the doctor, well, you are at the hospital, you said. I was at the hospital. And they said it might yeah. be a rough couple of days. Yes. Did you have a follow-up? I, so I was lucky enough, they, they referred me to a, Someone who looks who, after concussion. Yeah, just yeah, that concussion. started. That started just around then. Yeah, yeah, yes. Because yeah. so, I was, was working at this uh, organisation in Waikato called ABI had just started taking the um, concussion contract, and then that was to facilitate occupational therapy, physiotherapy, optometry, and I guess your GP too would have been the central person. But that's correct. Yeah, is so, that who you were, um, or something like that? Something a lot like that, yeah. and they were they were fantastic. They were really good. It was just if I had been a little bit more dialed into how I was feeling, I would have accepted it a lot more. Mm. But I was like, you know, I'm I'm fine. But when I went through all the occupational therapy stuff, so they tested all my balance, and yeah. you know, it's like you know, being a, a surfer my entire life, it's like I couldn't even stand on one foot with my wow. eyes closed. Yeah, 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 um, and you know, it's a it's a real serious thing about fatigue. So mm. like 10 minutes into a consultation as they were checking sort of different things, the, the physio goes, did you just grit your teeth? Because mm. like just starting to get frustrated because everything's getting hard and I'm mm. tired. And, you know, they, my hat's off to ACC, not not the podcast or the, <laughs> the commentators. Like, yeah, Is he? Yeah, yeah. Is he? Um, they they were fantastic. They came to the party and they were willing to look after me. It was just my unwillingness to um to take 
take the help initially. Yeah. Did you get medi- medicated? So I had a guy there that um, was on the triptylines and you said they just messed him up more. Yep, yep. Um, initially, it really did. Like, it messed me up even more and it wasn't managed super well either. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, you're supposed to, if you come on to that stuff and if you come off it, there has to be a certain approach to it. But, you know, they kind of just left me to my own devices and I ran out and Take things. these for pain, mate. Yeah, exactly. And these <laughs> things just went, you know, backfired hugely. So I was spiking up and down in moods at work and at home and things like that and my wife had to deal with me through all of this. Yeah. And then fortunately, because she's a nurse, like she's, she can sort of see these, well, start to see these sort of patterns and we got a rat, like got a hold on it eventually. But man, it was, the those couple of months, they were brutal. I tell you, like, mm. and then sort of all the stuff that ensued from that was, whew. So, um, did you like, come up at all? No. No, no. Did you find out about it? Or <laughs> I will see. The thing is with keto, like the ketos, like I was familiar with it because of all the like the weightlifting and the, the CrossFit. I'm a vegetarian yeah. myself, sort of more more so leaning towards like the the fully plant based. Yeah. Like, uh, and um, a few years back, I'd actually done like the full no sugar. Yeah. As well for for a decent period of time, so I understand like all of that stuff. But man, I wasn't even thinking about eating i went from being 110 to like 93 in, mm. a, in the matter of six weeks or so because i just i couldn't keep food down i was like constantly oh, nauseous so. yeah so yeah it was uh like if anyone was gonna suggest a diet to me i was gonna be like here's my lunch <laughs> I, I just had it now it's in your lap sort of thing it was oh, it was like, like a constant battle sort of thing so i had I met you prior to this, maybe I'd have taken it a little bit more serious. But, you know. <laughs> no, it's one of those at-the-time type things, isn't it? Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. You just brought up there, like, the physio going, did you clench your teeth? That, you know, you're saying you lost a lot of weight. That nervous tension is, and, and that's where the fatigue, like, comes in, starts the nervous tension, and then exacerbates the fatigue. Because <laughs> you're using up so much extra energy in, in nervous tone, that you ordinarily wouldn't be. You'd be nice little loosey-goosey and going with the flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't have seen it that way, but yeah, yeah, that's absolutely what it is. It's just sort of like one compounding thing on top of another. Mm. You know, like, so two years ago, we had a um, little mini-conference up here in Auckland for a thing called Syntonics, which is a light therapy, and I only did the introduction so I don't know a huge deal about it. But one of the things we're looking at was people reflexes because that's connected to your parasympathetic and sympathetic tone. And um, when you shine a light in someone's eye, it should constrict and it should hold like that. And when you're highly sympathetic into that fight or flight, which you get after a concussion, it just releases back. And so that was 2020, and like, a bit like you, my concussion was in 2017. And still on that left side my left pupil was releasing a bit faster than my right pupil was. And the, I became like a little bit of a case study for an example of like, see, there's still some sympathetic tone going on that left-hand side. And, um, yeah, I, I know when I'm starting to drop into that fatigue and I need to start taking some fish oil or, um, you know, make sure I'm sleeping properly or all that sort of stuff because I'll start to trip my words or my thing, a bit like when I was saying about the texting, yeah. 
is I can see everything around the word, like the meaning of the word and what describes the word, but I can't nail the word. <laughs> yeah, and so I know, like, I'm under the weather now, and I need to address um, some of my, my habits, like, am I going to sleep? You know, am I getting up and energizing right? Am I, you know, so that's not so good, but at the same time, it's a good reminder that, like, to day to day keep on track with things that keep you well yeah absolutely it's yeah. good good like you know self-reflection a <laughs> lot of people sort of you know that's an umbrella term but you know people sort of tend to miss that boat a little bit and not listen to themselves or not reflect and sort of try and make these changes yeah as they need to sort of thing so i mean that's that's impressive just with that reflection alone but <laughs> i need to do it more <laughs> so how, how did like the, the printer side of thing um Tramansa said, you said, had the moment of being 30 and being an apprentice and going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I can see by relate, I, I had to do postgrad in seven years of uni. And um, it's interesting looking at Siobhan's um, blogging. Similar journey, eh? Like, and from his perspective, it was that he went into medical school, or biomedical um, science, trying to get into med school and ended up in optometry. Whereas I went into biomedical science knowing I wanted to be an optometrist since I was 12 and not getting in there and then doing two more years of uni and like going on a pretty good pretty good path and then getting back into optometry and it was freaking hard and missing out on the the honors by like 0.2 of a GPA and and so I wrote this blog about like failure and success and like what what you sort of hold up as you know my life's a success and feeling kind of like meh like I tried to play Sevens for Southland, twice being the non-travelling reserve. Then happened again in Canterbury, became the non-travelling reserve. <laughs> um, and um, just being like, well, what what means success? What what do you sort of hold up as successful? Because when you look back on your life, you're like, I've done all these awesome things. But then when you like pick a point in time, you're like, well, I didn't do this, and I didn't do that, and I didn't do this. And it's weird, weird sort of agent stage that you go through of like well what is what does it mean and especially when you're like 30 you're like oh man for so long i felt like 30 was so old and then now i'm 30 i'm not actually that old and i've got so much here to me but like then you start looking around comparisons there for joy you know, oh look at oh mate that's 30 and what what i've got <laughs> absolutely it's such a such a double-edged sword isn't it i mean like you can sort of map your life around someone else's path or journey or something but I mean yeah for a very long time it felt like 30 was you know a big scary number but mm -hmm. you know it's sort of you know the day before and then the day of your birthday and you sort of just like roll over it's like well nothing's really changed and you know I've still got the lust for for really working hard admittedly like um in my the way I see the world and it's uh you've got to you've got to be a different type of person for a different type of pathway so if you're going to be someone who's rich and wealthy and a philanthropist of some sort like you've really got to do some not great things at some point in time but you know i'm actually quite happy just to be the worker mm -hmm. like that that like I, I i feel really good after working hard don't get me wrong i'm tired and i might be a bit of a sack of shit and <laughs> in the afternoon you know uh, like i might just need a lie down or something but like i that that makes me feel better than 
a lot of things. It was probably why I really enjoyed the gym as well, you know, mm -hmm. like that serious satisfaction of just working hard and giving everything. It's kind of cliche, I suppose, but like that's that's where I'm at. And with the, with the apprenticeship side of things, I mean, I've I've not made it easy for myself as well. Like the way the BCITO is structured is sort of like you're supposed to stay with one company mm -hmm. and you know sort of go through everything but the the way it was with the concussion and you know just having different views with different peoples and things like it, it had to I had to change so from there on after moving company like it's it sort of nothing really sort of gained traction from there so mm. literally from 25 to 30 like I had felt like I had nothing to show for my work yeah, yeah exactly aside from you know fortunately some sort of small following and a and a portfolio of work that you know fortunately I'd posted on Instagram and people just seemed to recognize a little bit which mm -hmm. was I'm, I'm really grateful for but yeah I it, it was a, a real kick in the guts to um to log in for that first time and see like zero percent after sort of really I mean I mean don't get me wrong some of the some of the uh, assessors or uh, guys from BCITO they copped an airfall because I was you know just getting fed up with the whole lot but so what's, what's a, a normal path and this, like I say to not follow a normal path you need to be at peace with a few things <laughs> yes oh, yeah, absolutely like for one you just need to accept that things come as they come mm. and you, I mean pe people make things happen you know as they do but it's sort of it's written in the stars a little bit at times as well. <laughs> That's how it feels for me at the moment. It's kind this of is, this is why it is the double path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As, you know, three between three years and however long they they say you can do it in two sort of thing. But um, like with the with the way that I've done it, you have a stand down period after you change, and then you've got to amass a certain amount of time. What's the, the purpose of the stand down? That they're trying to like amass like a certain amount under the under the employer that you've started with so um you know you leave one place and they just basically disregard any work that you've done with the previous place and then that they're just investing you know six months of your time so yeah. they can give you some sort of feedback they can give the assessor some sort of feedback mm -hmm. and it sort of really has nothing to do with you or the work that you're doing or the input that you give which is it's a little bit so it, it, is it in a building apprenticeship like module wise is is it you go to a, like you've got all the modules laid out for the t you know, two to five years and you got to tick them off and yep. when you're in that sort of module then you go and do a class somewhere or what was it no that? no so now i think originally you know the real early sort of style of apprenticeship where they would have some sort of night school and you might go and deal with some like you might do some actual work on in a like a site school type thing but now it is literally all on site and it's between you your assessor and your Can't boss me, or yeah. yeah yeah or your the builder that you're working under so um you know it's all there is some big variables there like <laughs> what your relationship is like with your boss and or what your relationship is like with the assessor as well sort yeah. of like you can be as chumly as you like and things might go really smoothly or you might sort of clash with your boss and things might sort of slow down a little bit 
unfortunately. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's it's not very streamlined just at this stage. And then I mean, depending on how political you want this podcast to get, it's sort of all right, we're going there. Um, <laughs> you know, with this big initiative to get a lot, a lot more tradespeople into the um, into the workforce now. So, that, so does that mean that they are a qualified builder? They can just get the work done. Nobody's got to sign it off. Uh, well, you got not the- so much like that, but like they've 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 got a lot of uh, new apprentices starting. Mm-hmm. It's this big push to because they've freed up all the trades, mm. so you can you can enter into a trade and you're not actually paying for it. It's all government subsidised. Yeah. So they've got hundreds, if not thousands, more new um, apprentices starting and not like they haven't really matched that with the actual training advisors yeah, as well. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just inundated with people that they have to go and see and communicate with. And then the people who have been in there before that, like I was paying for my apprenticeship, fortunately, I'm not now, but I paid for it. And yet, like I, I haven't seen a, a rebate. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, I want my first year of uni back, please. <laughs> I'd like my first four. Yeah. I'd... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so like that, and that I just kind of got like lost in the in the fold a little bit. Yeah, which is <laughs> easy to get frustrated about. But well, that's why I've always asked the question. Like, we've got this massive shortage of psychologists in the country, and I compared it to optometry. It's like we've got a little bit of a shortage of optometrists in the company country, and there's fifty of them a year. Why is there only ten or twenty psychologists? And then I, and I heard the other day that. Like exactly what you just said there. You can't just bring a bunch of people in. You need the the structures. Yeah. And yeah. and especially well, it's pretty similar. You need that supervision and that you know, ability to bounce your ideas off and make sure you what what you're saying's the right advice, you know, especially when it comes to someone's mental health or you know, the structure that you live in. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I mean that's I'm more than anything, look like I'm I'm so big with the the mental health stuff and you know, like I've been through a few different psychologists and it's it's all so individual as well. So, I mean, like if someone is giving you some advice that maybe doesn't just like sit too well with you, that's pretty, pretty hard to hear, you know, it's mm. sort of, so it's kind of like shopping for that and, you know, having, having the right kind of initiatives in place to, to look after people yeah. and train these people. Cause I mean, that is, that is huge. Like that whole education thing is, is massive. Yeah. Comes to that, so is it only BCITO? Uh, there is one other. There is ITAB, I think, and I think there's some local polytechnics that actually mm-hmm. run uh, apprenticeships as well. But um, ITABs requires you to take a day off once a week. Forgive me if I'm wrong here, guys. And yeah, it's not your program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you have any problems, talk to Ryan. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> Um, and and then you also have some sort of X amount of block courses as well. Yeah. Whereas you know, I'm at this stage, I'm a father and a husband, and and we're working towards goals and things like that. So taking those days off, being being a um, a contractor is sort of a little bit tough to swallow at this point. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I try and do all my own learning, like yeah, as you might have seen as you walk outside like I've just got projects kind of out the wazoo like you know you might you might see that there's two picnic tables and uh, 
and a chalkboard. It's like those are things that I made just like out of curiosity. I'm trying to do my own learning as well. Uh, but he boxes for uh, doing jump ups on. They got some good um, yeah. cuts, cuts to them. Yeah, I've I mean, looked at them. Like, can I build one of those? I don't know. I'm not so sure. <laughs> you can, you can, like, you can come set up any time, mate. You just bring the ply, and I'll I'll supply the tools, and we can we can knock a couple out, Mister Murph. Forty eight days out of seventy odd. Or? Yeah, gosh, no, I, don't, I don't know if I'll jump onto that. <laughs> hey, it's something pretty empowering to be like, yeah, I I made that. Yeah, oh, I've I've done the um, the ultra marathon. Yeah, so that was that's, that's good. amazing. It's, by the uh, way, it's good. Fun. No, I don't know about fun, but um, yeah, I, I talked talk to Zane about it yesterday. We're talking about like developing some boundaries and coping habits, and sometimes a coping habit can can make a boundary. And committing to that was definitely like I've I've got to do this for six months. So. Sorry, you, you can't get in, into my life for six months. And, and my girlfriend was like, yeah, when you came back from that ultramarathon, you were a different person. I was like, yeah, probably. I like, needed to get that done. And um, I, I said to Zane, you know, I came down the hill into um, Hallsville Quarry in Christchurch and in agony, you know, it had been sort of 50-odd days at that stage. And I was just like thinking about the last six months, like how much I'd been able to see my daughter, what it was like during the lockdown, being uh, at my mate's farm and starting to run and not being able to see her and just like, yeah, crying. And it was like, oh wow, you know, and then, so that was just all gone. The, the marathon was gone, all those feelings were gone and everything was good and awesome as well. She was, she had come with me down south and had been oh, there fantastic. and my parents were there and she met me at the finish line and I was just like, yeah, awesome. Things things are all right. Yeah, yeah, they're coming together. Yeah, things are coming together and, and they've continued to, which is which has been fantastic. But, you know, like, oh, man, structure and, and, and doing the things that you need to do, just sometimes you've just got to be like, right, what's important? And, you know, for example, you say, I've got a family, you know, I've got a wife, I just want to be a builder, but how am I going to make this work? And then, the official side of it it's kind of like well normally this is how it works yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> there's a little bit more semantics involved yeah i mean man that's that is such a cool story about your the ultra marathon and kind of just like man the journey that you were on not only the six months but i mean like the marathon itself i, yeah. I you know I mean, i've never really pushed myself into situations like that before but yeah. like the uh the internal journey that you would have gone on running the actual ultimate. You have, though. With, with, and that's why I think, like, Olympic lifting, like, it's the same way if you're in a rugby team or whatever. Like, you, you do some amazing things, but it's like a body of work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, accumulatively, to, like, lift a big weight, it's, you know, you go to a meet or you have that training session before a meet and it's like, right, I've got the confidence to, to do this. But, you know, I've I've been away from the gym for uh, two or three months, and I'm going to go to the CrossFit gym on on this Friday, and it's going to be scaled as hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He's not RX this time around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, like, to to lift, you know, and it's just, it's the same with as a you know the apprenticeship programs analogous to that. It's like you need to go and do these cuts, build these structures, see how you know have 
have conversations with engineers, have conversations with architects and, and draftsmen. Like these are the drawings. This is how what we we want, and you're the one that makes you know, makes it come to life. <laughs> but as I was saying, like when it comes to building just a CrossFit box, I could go. I did the odd joint in for four or four form would work. <laughs> am I going to make it right? You know, I'm, you know, I've got my I've got my skill score at home. Got, you know, got to get the, the size right for the cut and things like that and then it's all got to fit together so that when you jump on the box it doesn't fall to pieces on you <laughs> <laughs> whereas and, 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 like I built a fence with my um, neighbour in Cambridge and he was yeah, he's reasonable, reasonably experienced at that stage he said just between you and me so I've got all the tools and, and I've used them yeah, yeah. So like the main difference right yeah um, um, like Tools is one thing. Know-how is definitely a whole other thing. But yeah, man, it's it's one Putting thing. Putting in the post was like the most. I was like, your eye for detail here is so much more than mine. <laughs> it's like, does this look plumb to you? It's like, oh, like, so that looks like, pretty good. And he's like, oh, you know, he's yeah. got a line going up. He's like, oh, and, you know, because like the most minute twist. And then also like getting the post in position. He knew how to like move the post within the concrete so that it'd sit right. And I was like, that's you know, I wouldn't have that in- intuition. But that's all it takes is one go. Well, <laughs> sometimes, like myself, maybe it takes three or four. But I mean, like it's the seeds already planted there. Like yeah. like any kind of idea, right? It's like, oh yeah, we can just we can do it this way. We do the old, you know, give the give the ground a tap, and you know, maybe a listen to the wind, and like it sets just right, sort of thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's such a sweet like that that kind of idea of learning uh, on like a practical level mm. is really that that's what sits so well with me in terms of like the building it's kind of like literally within someone showing you something between a joint or how how things go together is how that's like ping those mm. you know light bulb moments where it's like oh my goodness like why didn't i do this before and it or in someone like your case it's like i i can do this you know mm. like it's that it can be this simple if you want it to be. Yeah. But it is simply like the, the unknown is a lot scarier and seems a lot more vast until someone just makes it really clear for you. Yeah. Now I love those joints that like triangles and triangles. <laughs> Dovetails. Dovetails. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, we're sitting in front of some wooden windows and doors. Like how, how good is it, you know? When the joiner comes in and goes, oh, that slot's a bit big, mate. <laughs> uh, it's, it's more of a problem if they turn up and like, that's a bit small. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're not the first person to tell me that. <laughs> um, yeah, like the, the openings and things like that. Like, fortunately speaking, if they're, if it's all new joinery, then it's going to be that they're going to make it to the specifications and, and they, they, they want to have a bit of playroom as well. So, you know, you, you pack it to suit so you can bring it in. It's easy to bring it in than it is to, like, just destroy all the things that you've solidly built. And, yeah. Um, like, I, like we're, we're due for joinery at this next job, and it's all timber joinery. Most of the time now, it's actually aluminium, which is fast, but it's it, you lose a bit of that, that craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. So now now with this timber joinery where you've got to set it in, and like because of the way timber joinery is set up, it's got these horns, and then you have to scribe it. So you set it in, take it out, scribe it, and then cut it. Hopefully you haven't just destroyed it, because if you've 
ruin that cut then that's the oh, end of man. that that piece of timber measure thrice yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely i mean some guys are some guys are like cowboys and they may have done it like a thousand times sort of thing but it's yeah measure thrice baby it's uh, <laughs> it's all you can ask for oh man yeah it's it is pretty you see about the aluminium joinery it is pretty impressive driving past apl there in cambridge that's it's a hell of a setup. It's a hell of a setup, man. And I mean, it's like it's so it's a much better way to, um, you know, to, for high performing homes, so to speak. Like we all live in these kind of coldish, drafty homes. Like specifically one like this, so one, one it's sort of like it's either cold or it's just way too hot, you know. Because <laughs> what was insulation what fifty got, years what, ago? The Panasonic. Oh yeah, the, <laughs> that's going to cost you a Panasonic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's like, it's good for this room, but like, you know, all the bedrooms are down, down the way, and, yeah. and but like, if you, you head down there, you're just cooking by mm. midday, mm. it's sort of like, you know, this is really the only area that you can stay, it's like, whereas if everything's aluminium joinery and it's all double glazed and... Triple now. Yeah, yeah, it's a, hey, hey, you know your stuff. <laughs> and, you know, like, whereas you're insulated, not only to keep warmth in, but to keep warmth out as well, so I mean, like... Timber joinery is, it'll last, but it's no frills, yeah. other than the fact that it looks great. Yeah. Mate, um, we've, we've taken the shoes off. You said, oh, I feel like I need to put shoes on. I said, no, no, no way, I'm taking the shoes off. And we've got ourselves on the old wooden floors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, that's, that's one of the things Nigel Beach talks about. You know, when it comes to triple glazing in a Panasonic, that someone in the UK, they've gone from about 14 degrees average temperature to 19 yeah huge huge it, difference like if you know what a degree feels like especially like he also laughs at him and his wife can be half a degree different in their car <laughs> <laughs> if he said something wrong maybe yeah but like um that's on the one side that's amazing or i was talking to someone that they talk about these um the homes basically ear sealed what's that one called? yeah passive passive, passive homes. homes yeah big fan I was like, huge that is fan. incredible yeah. This is in Tiana. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's, that's, um, that's I like think one of the super e temperature to low to low. You've lived in Cromwell. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that place is awful for you know missing days of sunlight. Yeah, it's like I can't believe it. It's like all you need to do is leave town fifteen minutes away, and it's a beautiful sunny day. But well, don't drive Cromwell. to Alex because it's just an eternal hoarfrost. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Man, that place. I I didn't really understand why it was such the butt of everyone's joke, but man. And then I went there and I was like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, so Alec Alexandra is, has a uh, pizza range on one side and then um, Toto to the other. And it's kind of in a horseshoe of the Clutha River. Yep. And it, it's it's on the open side of the Clutha River, but yet tucked into this horseshoe of mountains. <laughs> it's brutal, man. But it, it still reports like some of the highest. Highest and lowest. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. I think so, it's got both records. <laughs> Good for, them. Good for them. They can they can keep it as well. Like I'm I'm all right with like you know mild stuff. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I loved living down in the South Island. I just thought it was the best. But man, it is a like like it might be freezing cold, but at least you can look at those mountains and go, holy cow, this is amazing. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> right. Like that's the the like for me. I came from like you know oh there's a bit of water over there and yeah that's all right. The inner and it's harbor. not Pisa. I've got that wrong. No, no, it was Carrick Ranges, I think you're thinking of, for the one... 
The one's down there. So it's like on the so Pisa's Pisa's up the back and that that's up like, there, Pisa's up near Dunstan, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Pisa's kind of like on the like outside. Yeah. On your left as you're driving from Queenstown into Cromwell. Yeah. So what are the is it characters that go over into the Nevis? Is that yes. right? Yeah, yeah the yeah. Carrick Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nevis is another amazing place as well. I mean, that's like Mars up there. <laughs> like I never really went too much further than over the top and down the side. Like uh, from yeah. what I understand, you can go further and further. Yeah, but you can get all the way to um, Garston. Yeah, all the way over to Garston. Through the Nevis, Nevis um I heard there's like a pub there or something at the end of it. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'll have to go again. Yeah. Oh, I have to, I have to go. It's, it, it's messed up growing in Invercargill and playing sport all the time. So I'd go to Christchurch, go to Dunedin. I'd be in Dunedin like every weekend. And then like, I moved to the North Island and go, you know, start wanting to go hunting. And I'm like, man, I grew up in the Mecca and I've never been. <laughs> and I, feel, I always feel really ashamed. Like, I've been in the backcountry, but, you know, I grew up in Southland and there's like five great walks and I've been on none of them. <laughs> man, I tell you, like, it's it's pretty, like, beautiful place. So, like, sort of, don't get me wrong, like, we, we are really lucky with beaches and things like that. But, man, you, you see a whole, it's like a whole other world. Mm. down the embers way and you know like the west coast to the east coast um New Zealand in total though like as I've been in the back country so I've been Hawke's Bay yeah even the like, you would have seen the nitty gritty too like I mean, oh I didn't get too deep I was on the uh so the Mo- fringes Mohaka and um uh what's what that place called Macintosh Hut and then just the very front of the Rohanis so I went to this hut called Awateri so that that doesn't even really go up the mountain um, and hunting hunt underneath the Longview Hut. So, yeah, I never never got to the back country. We did um, go to a reasonable way back Alpha Hut in the Tararua. Is it at um, what was that? Anzac weekend last year. Oh yeah, that was fun. So me and a guy that lived in Carlton, Ryan Nicholson. Um, yeah, we went on a three day mission. And Took anything up on the way n- home? No. Nah, oh, so was it we, one of those trips? Or? No, we went to Alpha Heart and being what's, uh, not what I think, Anzac Weekend, the, there's lots of trampers, like Wellington's, like you can see Wellington from Alpha Heart, it's quite quite buzzy. <laughs> and so there was lots of trampers in, in the hut and especially when we went down to the river, man, it was packed. We were very glad that we got there for a bed. So when we were coming down the hill, this, these people came up and said, oh, last night there was, I think about 20 people over the capacity of the hut. And they're like, get Ooh. get there. And so yeah, I got yeah. there, got a bed, and then we went walk, walked off. And yeah, so we woke up in the morning, up up in the in the hills, and um, we were walking up the track. And I was like, oh, there's one. But we knew that the the trampers were right behind us, and so we're like, oh, we shouldn't shoot from here. That's extremely frowned upon, especially when you got some trampers coming <laughs> coming up your bum. So like, right, I'll creep around and try to get around on top. And then we sort of did that, and I think at the same time they came up the track and then went around above us. So we were creeping around the face, and it turns out there was two stags were there. And the biggest stag kind of looked up to where the track was, which I think was where they had been walking. And then so they both sort of got their heckles up, and then he saw us creeping around. And for me being right-handed, I was on the wrong slant, but right, he's left-handed, so... So then it was kind of like, oh, can you get a rest? But 
yeah, by that stage you started barking at us. The younger, younger um, stag and the hind crept off to the bushes, and he kind of went on to the the mound for a bit longer and gave us a couple of barks, but it was too short. And he was off into the bush. And I'm like, shit. Yeah. Before <laughs> and then, you can set up. Yeah, and then so then we classed a couple more um, stags way off in the basin with with um, plenty of wind and plenty of clag coming in. Yeah, and then on our last morning morning walking out. We were walking along some river flats, and again there was a spiker, but he was on the side that the track was on. So again, it wouldn't have been any good to fire a shot of it at him in anger. So no. yeah, absolutely, a bit of a waste there. So um, yeah, I, I'm quite um, quite known for armed walking. Armed walking, yeah, yeah, it's good. You're safer that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but like the beauty of it is um, we we're discussing. Ryan reads reads a lot. He's quite into things like Andrew Huberman. He um, works at uh, Massey Uni and while he's oh, Vic Uni, sorry, um, while he's there, he's studying psychology, and sure. so he keeps track of Andrew Huberman and neuroscience and stuff like that. And we're talking about how, like, when you're in the bush and walking along like that, your your gaze is darting everywhere, and you start to create a little bit of a like a soft focus, and so you can have really intense conversations, and you're not emotional about it, and so you can. Exp- Explore ideas really well. Fascinating. Yeah. And um, myself and another guy, Will Fleming, we actually lost this chat. <laughs> the file got corrupted about an hour in. And we've, oh, been, we've been talking no about how in a podcast you start to do that. And it's really good when you're in person because you can see the person's eyes and when they're, and you can get the, yeah, the motion, emotion of the, of the conversation a bit better. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm walking is great, especially when you're with a mate because you just have these really in-depth conversations. <laughs> Yeah, kind of almost like a little bit. You're you're separated from it just enough, so you're not kind of carrying too much uh, emotion behind it. Yeah, you can kind of. And I, th- I think that's why hunters have like no disdain for trampers because you're out there doing the same thing <laughs> and getting the same vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that we go out there in our terms for an extra bonus. Um, and yeah, a heavy carry back, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it might make it harder for ourselves, but. Yeah, like, um, I think that's everything beyond it. Like, seeing the animal, that's a bonus. If you can get in on the animal, that's a bonus. If you get meeting your freezer and you're continually um, eating that, then you're reminded of of the great time and the, and the story of it. Like, I often think of it, and you said you worked in the wine industry, of provenance of wine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we are talking about, you know, the um, Croatians bring vines and stuff to New Zealand and, they're the OGs, man. Like, I give them full credit for it, eh? Yeah. You know, all the way up north uh, to the west of Auckland and, you know, and yeah. to further on, like, into the, the Waikato and, yeah. you know. Hawks Bay. Hawks yeah. Bay, baby. Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's all started somewhere. Yeah. So, was that before the building came out? or? Yeah, yeah. That was my my dreams out of high school, really. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be... I, so, first job was in a, a restaurant and we, we got the full kind of... Uh, immersion mm. with with wine because you had to be able to sell it so you, you got you know a slight idea and you know that send you on some trips here and there so you could go and see a winery and mm-hmm. maybe learn so do you have a good more. nose i've got a great nose oh cool yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm telling you like uh, i there's not not a lot of stuff that i would really boast about but yeah i, I got a decent nose on me cool I could tell you the terroir of uh, yeah. beautiful '86 Shadow Nerf to Puff, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> we tried that on my um, 
My ex's dad, eh, he did a bit of work for Villa. Um, yep. he's, a, he's a um, CFO, so he was doing the accounting sort of thing, but he'd go down to Hawke's Bay and do buying and stuff. Yep. And then yep. him and his mates, two lots of mates, had um, wine clubs. So b- between two wine clubs and working for Villa Marie's, again, good like you say, good nose, and we blind and um, yeah, gave him yeah. so he's like this is South Australia da, da, da. I was like, what the fuck <laughs> it's like there's no way he's peaked the bottle for sure yeah um, so with with my uh, the the wine stuff I did and where I ended up in West Auckland so the the Brykoviches, uh who I directly worked under while I was doing most of the vineyard stuff um, Millen he was married to the daughter of George Fistonich so uh, Villa Maria's head honcho, he's he's the man. So I mean, like, there, there's like that slight connection there, and mm. I mean, you so know, what did it all look like? like? Oh, amazing! Yeah, it's it's like. A, so yeah. how did you rock up? You're at a you at a restaurant, and then you're like, well, I'm gonna dive into this. Yep, yep. wine side, and then from there, so I was I was like, you know, well, I should probably go to university. So I flogged right. a dead horse for a couple of years and um, didn't get anything done but a, a decent. Uh, why did you loan. think you go to oh, lovely. <laughs> Why did you think you go to uni? Um, well, that was kind of just it was kind of an expectation set on me, admittedly. Like really, what did you study uh, by microbiology. I mean, that's what my mum did. Awesome, <laughs> yeah. awesome, yeah, yeah. And uh, did, I actually did really that come did in handy. Like it. it did. It yeah. really did actually, because more on the on the vineyard side of things, because you're actually you're trying to create like a really. Um, a nice environment for the vines to grow, which is always, uh, I wish I could think of the words right now, but it's, um, concussion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Um, uh, most of the time, like with conventional vineyards, they use fertilizers and they use different sprays and things like that. But where, where I went to, where I ended up in the vineyard in central Otago, um, they were biodynamic. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to create this, environment for the vines to grow in which is mutually beneficial and it's it's encouraging the growth of you know fungi and you know different different types of microbiome Mm -hmm. to create this synergistic kind of approach to where you're you're not taking away you're not draining the earth and your surroundings from um with with growing this stuff you're not um, it's it's mutually beneficial for the ground around you as it mu- as much as it is for the wine and the vines and the grapes. So that this amazing kind of vineyard it looks a, it looks a little rough because they don't spray with weed spray, so it's not all nicely manicured and it doesn't have like the best grass because it's originally it was just some sort of quartz mine sort of area. But I, I mean, the it is chalk and cheese side by side with other wines where they're just growing. So what's that one called? Uh, it's Quartz Reef. Yeah, I got to taste that last year. There you go. Yeah. And, it, and it is, it's like a, I would always say like it was, so the, the winemaker Rudy, it's like his signature. Mm-hmm. Like you get an idea of the type of person that he is. He's like a, he's quite a bold Austrian man. <laughs> really sweet guy. Really, really sweet guy and has a lot of time for everyone, which is, is really sweet. But he can also be very heavy handed and cut you off and be very rude. And I think yeah. that's just kind of, his way and it's probably just a cultural difference but I mean that's like a perfect um, it's a, a representation of who he is mm. as opposed to what somebody just wants out of a wine mm. it's very very honest so you said he before we started 
had involvement with Rippon? Like, what was yep. his, what was his, how did that all work? So he was, uh, I think it was Rolf Mills. Forgive me if I'm wrong here, Rudy, but um, uh, he he did all the wine making for them. I think from 1990 to 1993, and I believe 92 was kind of like the year that was like. Oof. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, we can make wine here. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, it's a Ripon, and there was one in Alexandra. They were the only vineyards that were actually in central Otago, in the wider region. Like, mm-hmm. technically speaking, I think Wanaka is part of the Great Lakes. Yeah. So, you know, and they, then when all this stuff came out, the, <clears throat> once they opened up a bit of the real estate, they were just like, you know, mm. we can do it. And then what, Gibson Valley and Chard Farm? Yeah, so Chard Farm was like kind of the first uh, vineyard to have like a business model. Mm-hmm. And then Gibson Valley sort of came in after that and, you know, all these different places. I think Sam Neill, like he started putting in with the Central Otago Wine Company or Calco. Right. Yeah. And, um, you so know. So he's got two paddocks now, right? Yep, yeah. yep, yep, along with, and Central Otago Wine Company also make a few of the other ones where there's just grape growers kind of around and they mm. make the wine for that too, so. Yeah, I lo- love Rabbit Ranch and I was quite surprised that when I bought it, it was from Chard Farm, I was like, oh, yeah, about that? Yeah, 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 <laughs> Chard Farm makes some very impressive wines as well. Have you ever been to the winery? No, I, I've, I haven't been to, oh, I've been to Ripon, like, um. Yeah, pretty, cause, cause pretty picturesque, right? Yeah, um. Growing up, we'd go to Glendy Bay every year, camping at summer, and so drive past Ripon to get out there. And yeah, early days when they were with, with the parents, um, I think they were, yeah, like you say, Chad Chad Farm kind of created the uh, business model of wine. I think they might have been members for Chad Farm in the early days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, did a bit of work in the weekends or something. No, nah, just you know, get get sent a case every now and again, and then oh. you know, it, but. Mum and Dad never really got into the, you know, wine club or anything like that, and taste tasting things. They're, they're more like, oh, they taste good, <laughs> type <laughs> people, and that's that's where I'm at as well. Just like taste taste good type idea. But yeah, I'd I'd love to know more. Michael, definitely. Um, what's the uh, wine shop that's next to Suchi and Suchi? Oh, Euro, is it Euro? Euro wines. Euro yeah. wines, maybe? I can't. Yeah, like, I know the, exactly the one that you're talking about because yeah. they do sell lovely wines. But Yeah, he's, you know, he's on, on their mailing list. And my, <laughs> my old, old flatmate, when I moved back to Auckland, um, he used to work there. And so he, when a crate had come in, he'd get me and my flatmates to come in and give him a hand to unload. And then a few crates disappeared. Oh, if only. You guys are too honest. Oh, yeah, no, well, what? We were sort of twenty-one-year-old guys walking these boxes and having going. Well, this looks like no idea what we're, what yeah, we're carrying. Yeah, absolutely. How much is this worth? Yeah. Oh, gee, oh, I'm a student. No worries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No thanks. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like, um, you can study like viticulture and and yeah, so winemaking and stuff like that. Lincoln but. Lincoln offers a really great one, and you know, like, I, I think there's this big misnomer about winemaking is you've got to be this sort of snooty type people whereas in actual fact they're really just these farmers these mm. lovely farmers and they're just working the land sort of thing it's like their crop and then mm. you know they've got this big investment where they've got to take 
sorry dogs uh, they've got to take you know their their fruit and then it's fermented in barrels that they're probably still paying a loan on and then they've got to bottle it which they've got to pay for as well and you know like there's a lot of they've got to be pretty humble people because you know they're really playing the long game so you know as much as you know, m people might say it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's for the snooty. You've got to be sort of a little bit older to appreciate. It's like really just to know the work that goes into it mm. changes the perspective of how you see the people that are running the the whole situation. Yeah, I don't know what it is about wine, but I love the concept of collection. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. hopefully my daughter doesn't listen to this before she's twenty-one. But <laughs> she's like, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Where well, are we collecting it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's at home. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just. Uh, my brother when I finished uni sent me this thing called the uh, Goldman Sachs Unofficial Guide to Being a Man and one of the things in there is buy a case every year for your child until they're 21 and they make a good 21st gift and so I think she's going to be real disappointed when I give her a uh, decanter <laughs> <laughs> no wine to put into it yeah and then I'll be like no nah, there's, a, there's a big collection and um, the idea of it is like say the the story the plot of land um like this got Coleraine from 19 um so that's living in Hawke's Bay running past that that block in the house and and things like that it's just like yeah that you know that's that's that spot um yeah, we moved yeah. to Hawke's Bay in 2019 and lived in Havelock North and yeah so amazing it's it's gonna be like you know it's the heuristic in the year of her life but there's there's a story to it and, absolutely and um at the end of Tomato Peak Road, there's a little sign there. Um, oh, name escapes me of the guys that bought, started doing wine in Hawke's Bay, but uh, Chambers, yeah. And yeah, yep. it tells you all about how they started on that face and it looked kind of like France and way they went. <laughs> yeah, and, and yet, like, man, the place is amazing for growing wine. I can't. Yeah. So, what part of the process were you involved in? So I was, initially I was doing all the, like, we were doing the winemaking, mm -hmm. so especially down in Central, we did, uh, we processed all the grapes when they came in from the vineyard, so it was either in the press, mm. or uh, we destemmed it, we'd go through this, like, they come in in bins, they mm. just cut them in bunches, and they come in in bins, and um, you drop it into a destemmer, which is like a, it's like a barrel with a hopper on the top, and then it's got different prongs kind mm. of running through the center, and then they go through that and basically all the berries drop off into another thing and you just, if it's Pinot, Pinot Noir, which uh, they, that just goes straight into a big steel fermenting tank mm -hmm. and then you got to punch down and do all sorts of horrible things for weeks on end and like, it's great. It's, I, I make it sound terrible, but it's actually great. How similar is it to beer? Is there like a, a cap that ends up on, on top? Yeah, 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 which you actually have to keep sort of like... Pushing it in. Right? Yeah, because if it, what, what can happen was with the fermentation process, like it, it generates heat as well. Mm. So if, if it gets too hot, it'll actually start killing the yeast, which is right. fermenting all the sugars and mm. giving you all that lovely alcohol and flavors and things like that. So that's why you've got to keep sort of um, pushing it down and mm. just creating a little bit more airflow without sort of damaging the skins all too much and stuff but uh, as as things progress so I, I, I did that and I also did that up here in Auckland as well for a year but I eventually went into the vineyard mm. which was that was kind of where I wanted to be forever so it just started off with things like pruning and you know tidying up the blocks and they were like you know you want to really step into this role so we started spraying and we started managing I started managing some of the vineyards and things so you know looking after whole blocks of 
grapes and ensuring that it's getting the right sort of sprays and um, that you're mowing, you're trimming, you're pruning, you're, you're doing everything. You, you work for the season, which mm-hmm. is, that, that's a really cool process to it as well. Like you, you see a full transformation from it being a very um, like fertile kind of area where it's got lots of leaves and it's, it's got um, grapes and things like that. And then once you drop the grapes, pretty much the leaves straight, fall straight off and you come through and you pre-prune everything and then you prune it all back and then middle of winter, this place is barren. dead, barren. Yeah. You know, like even the grass is struggling to grow and there's no leaves on any... But, you know, come spring again, you've got these this beautiful, like, the idea of life just, like, popping out and then mm. buds and it all starts again. You know, you go from um, a couple of leaves and the buds might be popping a little bit to, like, forests that you've got to trim back and you know make look a little bit more attractive again because it's just like sweeping into the into the um into the lanes and things so you know it's 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 a fantastic it's really i felt very very lucky to be a part of it all Mm -hmm. um and then it's you know dare i say like a little bit of a crossover as you can kind of see that that change with with building as well because you can go from beer land Mm. barren (laughs) <laughs> you know few, few site pigs yeah yeah ex- exactly that's when, my, that's when my younger brother comes in he's, yeah he's a surveyor so he just oh man they make our jobs a lot easier i tell you <laughs> like if we didn't have surveyors then we'd like houses would be built in his place and it's like hey you know that, that's that's so my he, house he's a crusher jay's aged all the surveyors had to kind of come to an agreement that uh the property was where the fence was because people's sections moved big time. Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even begin to explain, like, how much change there is there. I work with a guy whose family All right. um, live in, in Christchurch and, and how, how badly they were affected by it. And it was just like, man, I don't even want to get into it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, with the, like, uh, the great growing and things like that, um, did you? With a small block, are they all hand-picking that? Like, there's machines yep. that come along and rattle. So, um, my old boss in Hawke's Bay, his uncle's one of the tutors at EIT. And so him and a group of mates kind of did the night course on, on winemaking and made made quite a few barrels, actually. And they called their wine um, Pick of the Post. Yep. So, they got all the grapes that the machine didn't rattle off. Oh, sweet. So, fuck, uh, real good taste. Although... He he gave me one of the last bottles and it was starting to not be as good. But yeah, right, yeah, uh, settling off a bit. Yeah, he sort of said to me, I opened one the other day. He said, "Say, get it, get the cork out, let it sit, pour the glass, and let it sit for a good hour, and then it'll be good." Yeah, he said, "We're, we're starting." Start, as he said, "It's one of the last bottles, and we're starting to run out." So <laughs> it's, it's like, but yeah, you want to. <laughs> Let it have some oxygen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's where the decanter comes in as well. So I mean, yeah. Don't don't be like, don't be embarrassed that you give your daughter a decanter. It's like <laughs> a lot of a lot of people need one, you know. Yeah, actually, um, Jensen who was with last night, he had this thing that he just poured it through and it aerated and filtered. Oh um, yeah, okay. Quite cool. <laughs> quite a cool wee tool. I think it's just one of those like the romanticized idea of like this beautiful glass decanter that you yeah. kind of. It's a little bit more sexy, you know. <laughs> um, oh, what was I going to say? So, like, the, when you began to buy a dynamic, 
was all the yeast natural or did you still add yeast? Uh, all, for all of our stuff, so again, we, we processed a couple of other vineyards, but for all of our stuff, it was all indigenous yeast. So, so like, that comes off the grape, right? Off the skin, yeah. yeah. And it was all hand-picked. Um, like they did the only non-handmade preparation, which is what we would apply to either the vines or the, the ground around it, was sulfur or copper, mm-hmm. copper sulfate. So mm-hmm. like it was... You know, as close as you could get to hands-off winemaking, as they would say. Hands-off, hands-on. <laughs> yeah, well, like, hands-on is kind of like where you're, you're adding extra minerals in to try and, you know, for what's been depleted in the yeah. previous years. Like, this is like, you know, we, we do a couple of things where you might sing a couple of, like, biodynamics and um, Rudolf Steiner and the Steiner kind right. of, like, that's, that's where it all comes from. And it's a pretty zany sort yeah. of uh, process. Where's old Rudolf from? Was he... uh, Rudolf is, is Austrian himself. He's Austrian as us, so yeah. Ru- Rudy, Rudy and Rudy. <laughs> well, I mean, Rudy is Rudolf also. Yeah. Rudy, Rudy Bauer. So ironically, Bauer means farmer in German. So <laughs> he's, he's technically a farmer. It was just written in the stars. And his name's Rudy. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really impressive stuff to be around. But yeah, like you, you literally like pack cow horns with... Mm-hmm. The, like their crap and then you bury it and wait for it to turn in, in like a moon cycle and then take it out and it's you know it is a lot different it, it, you might think you're just fucking handling cow shit but in reality like it, it becomes this like finer sort of substance because a lot of it dries out and then what they do is they call it dyna, dynamitizing oh, yeah. it's been a few years but where, where you actually you put your own energy into it yeah, so nice. again, this is this is like kind of going. No, I like it. I like it because um, I'm in, I'm into biodynamics and organics, and so as I said, that that same list, the guide to being a man. That was when I started journaling, and in the front of that journal, that's where I started to put down my ideas for the deer farm that I want to own, and that's yeah. Um, so it brings together these passions of like soil health and um, biodynamics. Um, What's old uh, John O'Frew's company, Quorum Sense? So that's regenerative agriculture, um, wine, food, scenery, uh, ecology. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, love, love all this stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just a whole another way to think of it. Like we think really small, but this is kind of like thinking into the you know your your daughter's lifetime as well, mm. where you're sort of you're, also, you're you're giving back as much as you're getting out of it, sort of thing. No, nice. So like I said, the old the old tractor rattlers that get the grapes off off the um <laughs> off the vine the harvesters yeah you drive past delgettis and there's massive uh, is it delgate delegates or whatever yeah delegates yeah, yeah yeah and there's massive steel vats in there and you go wow that's 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 at scale like what's that like in in the the building sector like you're an apprentice in your shop there with your tool bat and your hammer <laughs> and then you got to ensure your, your truck and all its contents like well <laughs> as you get along oh not only that but like eventually you've got to bloody ensure like the work that you're doing for 10 plus years so you, some guys go out on a limb and go even further than that yeah I'll, I'll, uh tommy montepiero down there in hawks bay modern build he's got he's got a trailer now that's awesome by the yeah. way like that's really cool like <laughs> he could he could basically set up any site and then just take off and yeah. Go to the pub for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got to drive all the way back to Bloody Navy Topol Road. <laughs> Maybe not. There. I think that's quite the trap, eh? He does, does some work in Havelock North and he's got to drive it, drive it down back to his place. <laughs> oh, man, nasty. <laughs> but yeah, well, like, um, technology-wise, I see you um, 
Can you talk to me about your tools, the, your green Absol- machines? And my green machines, absolutely. I mean, so, so it was Hitachi. It's still Hitachi. So it was Hitachi. Hitachi's. It's not just power tools, though. Like I'm, um, I'm sure if you're familiar, you might have walked past a heat pump that was Hitachi, or, yeah. or diggers that are Hitachi. Yeah. Like it's a huge brand in Japan. Rugby team. <laughs> is it? I mean, it's an island over there. Hitachi right. Kana is a is an island, um, and what they did was they just sort of did this big overview of everything and they thought you know it's not it's not making the money like it should right you know power tools Hitachi power tools so they thought we're going to sell it but they they maintain the name so whoever bought it which was the group that there's a couple of other um power tools that that it's like who this group owns as well right and they you know they're trying to maintain some sort of continuity between Hitachi and so the the actual brand name of the old Hitachi was Hitachi Koki. So went from Hitachi to Haikoki. Ah. So you know, like it, it's it's not it's not too far gone. Whereas in the states, in actual fact, they they were like, you know, we don't we don't want this Japanese name. So they went with Metabo HBT, which was a German name. So still green, still green. It's ex- the exact same brand, yeah. but just with Metabo HPT on it. So it's a, it's a little like. Don't quite understand, but maybe they thought the lesser of two evils. I don't mm-hmm. know. They have they don't have the best like um, past with either Germans or <laughs> or with USA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or Germans or Japanese. So I don't yeah. know. Maybe it was to do with that. But oh man, like the um, I was I started off and I went Makita and I had some Bosch stuff as well, but. Like, uh, they were the most innovative. Okay, yeah. Um, and, like I said, like, continuity-wise, like, they have um, backwards-compatible stuff, so all their new batteries go into old tools as well, and, you know, just the idea with um, Japanese handmade stuff and just Japanese-engineered as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, it fits with me really well. Like, that, that's the sort of stuff that I like, and... You know, I, I remember when I first approached them and I was like, hey, uh, can I, um, you know, have a play with that little saw that I was trying to angle up? And they were like, well, you know, it's worth like this much and it's handmade and there's X amount. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, how much is it again? <laughs> and but, but from there, that kind of like opened the, that was the foot in the door, just sort of some sort of conversation. And then um, from that, uh, they, they took me on as a brand partner which has been amazing like mm. they've been super kind to me and i've got to beyond my wildest dreams got to try out new tools that have only you know that been in new zealand like there's only been one in new zealand and none in australia or something like that or um be a model for them mm-hmm. no less like you know i sort of i got to try their their cordless half inch router as well and it was you know these are things that dreams are made of to the idea that you get to try it first. Mm. And then not only that, it's like, you know, we kind of want you to be on the front of a magazine or something like <laughs> right. that. Or, or, you know, you like you're a poster when they set up for a, uh, for a trade event yeah. or something like it's, it's really, there's Ethan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, come see me in poster as opposed in person or something like that. it's, it's so, it's you, so you need cool. a poster these days. <laughs> Or a sticker, a sticker you know, yeah. you know, some slaps. It's like you're nobody without one, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, they've, not only that, but like I just, the people who are running this H- Hikoki for New Zealand, like they're just 
awesome people. Like mm-hmm. I love going there and just chatting, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't care if it's about power tools or building or whatever, like they're just awesome people. So it's just a reinforcement of, I love this gear. So not only is it, you know, it's, it's at the, the head, like mm. it's the front in terms of technology and innovation sort of thing. Don't get me wrong. Like everyone's got sort of small holes in their armor or what have you that they're trying to, trying to fill it's like if they don't have this tool they're making it up with it with this way and what have you but i mean man it's just it's it's cool like yeah. it really makes gives me this sort of like lust to get out and do more stuff and try new things because like it's so enjoyable to use the tools i yeah. suppose hard out i love um the wars of tools uh, oh, yeah. t- tiktok's fantastic there's one guy the other day uh doing a reaction video to, uh, I think it was a Milwaukee drilling in, <laughs> and they soaked up, soaked up the screw and pre-drilled the hole and boom, <laughs> and then the, then he got his Makita out and boom, <laughs> yeah. just like drive straight through the thing. Yeah. I tell you, man, like that. I, I, and here's me with my Black and Deckers going. <laughs> is it the original Black and Deckers though? No, no, no. no. Oh, I've got like a, a eighteen volt. Um, yeah, drill and then I've got a plug in um, hammer drill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you, I need after this, mate, secure, you come secure, talk secure to me. my, um, secure my safe. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's, uh, I remember I did it at the old flat and it took forever. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? And then when I went to put the safe in my new place, I was like, oh, yeah, hammer mode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like really makes a big difference. Oh, tell you what, I was like, whoa, through the cockpit. I was like, oh, that's better. Anyway, <laughs> it took me ages to realize that that was even an option when I, yeah. like, I was like, there's a hammer thing on here, but I don't really know what it's for. Like, I, I guess it's for screwing. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> makes them go in a bit faster. <laughs> but it's like, oh, no, you can actually drill concrete with this thing. It's like, yeah. okay, but you need the bit. You need the bit. Yeah, but you can really go through those. Like, <laughs> when you're just using a steel bit to try and drill concrete, that's a no-no as well. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good times. I guess you get a lot, a lot faster learning curve when you're on the job than, Absolutely. than me. That's what I used it once in two years. And I think the last time I used that was doing some spouting at my old place. So like probably 2017. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so think I've used my drill three times. Yeah, that's So that's right. why it's good to have a Black & Decker. Yeah, that's right. It's already paid for itself, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of a bit like baptism by fire. Yeah. As opposed to doing it once and then putting it down for a year or three. Um, it's, it's like you do it a hundred times in a day sort of thing. Mm. So like that's, that's the really neat thing about sort of hands-on learning. Mm. For me at least. Like I'm, I mean... Some people are amazing and can read something in a book and be like, yep, I remember it. Let's use this in a real life situation. Whereas me, it's like, okay, I need to do this several times <laughs> and I need to... I need to stuff it up several it. times. Yeah, too. well, that's... And, and most of the time, it's never perfect. Mm. I mean, even when you get good at it, like, you'll still make mistakes with it as well. Which, which is what was lovely about optometry um, is that we got to do practical while we were learning yeah yeah which was great like on ourselves on yourself and each other um that would have been like quite difficult so i'm trying uh, to look at my left eye with my right but no 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 so the the slit lamp is the hardest thing and it's kind of like when i when i did a helicopter lesson i was like oh this is kind of like learning a slit lamp it's just like micro touches and because you're working with a 90 diopter lens 
and you're trying to see something 30, 30 mil away and you've got to keep that focal plane going and, and then the optic on the microscope I think is about 16 plus 2 so about 32 times so you get you know the inside of the eyeball to wow. me feels pretty big yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and at uni we just could never hold that focal, like because we'd move our, our joystick too much we didn't have that like fine dexterity for it to be an extension and, and you've got to like um, sorry if, if you're listening you've got to hold the joystick with one hand um, and hold this lens just in front of the eye, and they're in a in a, a rest, and hopefully they bloody move. Um, yeah, or blink. Yeah, <laughs> no, blinking's okay. Blinking's sometimes <laughs> good because it means the surface is better. But on each other, it used to take like half an hour for us to learn this bloody thing, and so we'd all all be you know fatigued uni students, not sleeping enough, not eating well enough, and and stressed out to the nines. <laughs> And despite the fact that we were shining this bright as light in each other's eyes, like, we'd just fall asleep on each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, so like, I need you happy eyes. Can't see through eyelids. Yeah, so yeah, it was good that we got to do that like stuffing up phase kind of on each other and like all the do all the mistakes, you know. And like I was saying, optometry is good. You know, it is this very book knowledge um, profession, but there's a real practicality about it. So got got to I got to to do the best of both worlds and if I hadn't gone to optometry I was going to go do a building apprenticeship down here oh no way yeah I, was, I was, had done the BSc and I was like oh I don't know where this is going to go and I was like well if I don't get in which was my dream well then I'll go home and, and be a rug, you know, play rugby and do a building apprenticeship you know, do a trade and now in hindsight I probably should have like, if my other option would have been going farming you know that would have been that would have been that would have been me but yeah like it's. I like what you said about you do it thousands of times, stuff it up a little bit, and <laughs> absolutely fail fast. Yeah, fail fail fast. Like you know straight away, sort of thing. It's like oop, there was a pipe behind there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the oh, you know, oop, the, that was someone's eye. Like the old no dig guys, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the no dig guy um, used to be our neighbour, eh? and because you're in such a hurry to get the get the cable back. Yeah, he unfortunately had a few too too many demerits for a while there because there was too much of a rush. To, like, oh, mates. I remember in high school, someone put a digger through one of the major cables in the whole lower South Island lost cell phone coverage. <laughs> wow. That's, um, yeah, puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Sort of like... Um, a digger driver didn't do that again, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, he he might have had a bit of exp- explanation to try and keep that job, but you know, I'm sure he does. It's a mistake. Mistakes yeah. happens, you know. Like it's the best thing is is that if you get, if you have the right people surrounding you, then they understand that you're not doing this on purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're doing this on purpose, and you know, like let's just push to not do it again. Yeah. So as a contractor in an apprenticeship. On a site, like what's what's the hierarchy like going on there? So you've you've got the BCIDO to do your modules. There's yourself. There's your, who you contract with. There's a foreman, and then there's a building inspector at the end of a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's quite interesting, really, because I think I am the assessor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that, guy. <laughs> that guy. That yeah. guy. Who? Yeah. I haven't met him yet. <laughs> 
Um, just keep sending your ticks. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I've done because I've done this already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Like, here's here's a hundred thousand photos. Like I've got so many photos. It's, it's ridiculous. Thank God for iPhones. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd be lost without them. That's no, an iPhone. I yeah. promise. Um, the interesting thing is, is like um, it's it's near primal in terms of like you know if you're working within like a, a group of people or even between like two like quite quickly you'll find someone who's maybe slightly more dominant or mm. um you know just has that leadership quality and it doesn't even matter if it's kind of um if they're more qualified or not like it is simply just like a reading it's almost untold you know mm-hmm. like where you it'll it'll just be noticed straight away and then someone will just take the lead and the other one will just sort of you know just follow along which i think is awesome and i think it 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 speaks a lot to the people who are very confident just to allow someone else to take the lead Mm. like uh, i think that says just as much especially if it's someone who's more qualified and allows a a younger guy to maybe take the lead Mm -hmm. as if it's not just like a learning experience on its own because i i feel like you learn a lot more um when you're trying to reteach what you've been taught, mm-hmm. this is this is just from my own experience. So yeah, the the hierarchy can be you know can be the builder to the apprentice, but then sometimes the builder might want the apprentice to act as his equal. Mm. You know, like he might bounce ideas off him. Is there is there new ways of doing things? Uh, are you are you bringing stuff to the table? Do you know? Yeah. <coughs> Give it a big cough. Excuse me. <coughs> Absolutely. Well, that, that's the, the, the whole beauty of Instagram now is that there's so much learning available. So you see so many different processes. Mm. Well, I mean, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, TikTok like, yeah. you know, huge, <laughs> huge um, avenues of information. I love it that all these tradies are on TikTok. Yeah. And they're like, they're reactionary. <laughs> well, oh, like the, the home, home reno guys being like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, you can learn a lot. So, I mean, and... and for the most part, like the older guys, typically they're just not that invested. They've got a lot going on in their life, so why would they sit on their phone for eight hours a day and <laughs> try and learn new methods of the wheel that they already know all too well? Yeah. But um, you know, um, more so now as you know, you sort of guys in their thirties are, are taking the reins on on bigger jobs and stuff. They're a lot more open to these ideas, so you know they they want to try it. So, yeah. Okay, you know, like lead the way. Show me let's see and then you know they might be able to sort of add a helping hand with um with you know things that you might be a little bit gray on but for mm. the most part like you know they're really ha- happy to see new stuff that might might speed the process up mm-hmm. you know, for instance i mean like safites are a great one where you know uh it's a, the boundary along the eaves along mm. the outside and most of the time they're hardy board and most of the time, you've got to try and slot it into a groove. Shout all. out to James Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> great man, great pioneer even yeah. for silicoses. <laughs> um, and you know, like you have to have it over your head, and it's pretty awkward. It's compressed fibrous cement, and then you've got to try and like bang this tiny little nail in, and not destroy your fingers, and not put your hammer through the panel itself. It's, yeah. it's sort of like you know, but you can do it so many different ways but guys have been so staunch about it until it's like okay well what we can do is we can tack it up there we can get a finishing gun these small little pins and they'll they'll hold it in place and then we can come through afterwards and we can put these these clouts in and they'll hold it they'll stop stop it from rattling and 
Mm. You know, th- this was just a couple of weeks ago, and it's like, man, you've just saved us and our shoulders and a few hours' work by simply just, you know, just a it's a, a little thing and a, a change in the process, and man, it just makes things so much easier. I saw um, I was on TikTok this little clip for doing weatherboards by yourself. Oh, the the, the board mates or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, mean, because yeah, bringing up Hardy, um, <laughs> our place is forest products with this side mostly, and our bottom three boards have been replaced with Hardy. Yep. And you know we've got to really keep an eye on this, on this weather side. I think it was like a, a pulpy material and got a little bit wet. What did it do? Turn to Weebix? Yeah. And, unfo- oh, and no. unfortunately, because uh, it was basically the people working, making the product, were living in the houses using the product. They mostly got paid out, but unfortunately many of them went on a holiday instead of replacing the boards. So yeah, as I right, said, right. My, my house, the bottom three boards have been replaced and the other ones have been, you know, it's, it's in good nick, but my job to make sure it stays in good <laughs> yeah well basically it's just a matter of keeping them sealed and painted now yeah like the, the, don't let that like don't neglect the paint now yeah it's yeah. a big thing yeah but um yeah it's good to know that <laughs> nah, i probably probably would get someone in, someone in to do that but <laughs> replace and like you get one of the guys on like that you've had on myself or something or something like that and you know like they'd probably be quite happy for you to like shadow them whereas like if you're employing someone and they're like just don't stand around me, sort yeah. of thing. Let, like, me, let me do it. Let yeah, me do it. yeah. I'm just getting my groove here and yeah. not try and entertain. But, you know, <laughs> get get a friend or someone and I'm sure they'll be quite happy to just to, like, show you. And it's yeah. like that, that old saying of fishing and teaching someone to fish and yada yada. So. Yeah. My dad did that with jib stopping, eh? I said, I did, because I was still in my daughter's room in Cambridge. Yep. And, and I sat at the wall and I was like, oh, then I need to get someone into jib. How much do you reckon that'll be? He's like, never pay someone to jib stop. <laughs> He's like, I did that once. I watched him, I was like, I can do that. He came in, luckily he was in Cambridge. He was like, this is what you do. Pop, swap, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, carry yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you're ready to paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, cool. So, But if you got zero time, then you, you want to pay someone to do that. And I think you can see they got all the, because they, he helped the builder um, build their, their house in Otatara and down south. And then they got the walls hung and I think, uh, the what's that binding sort of tape stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. was all done, and then then they stopped it all. They wallpapered all the wallpaper, and I think they painted all the paint. Yeah, wallpapering we, is. We really had cool. we had concrete floors and room by room for a while. But it was fun. I mean. Yeah, I mean you were kids, right? Yeah, so well, what, like, what does it matter? Yeah, three or four years old. Yeah, yeah, it's me, like, me might my, have been a bit cold. Who knows? Especially never cold. Now we had the the Yunker, um, another Southland brand um, or fireplace. And there, and geez, that thing pumped, pumped out. out yeah. yeah, and then yeah, the concrete floor got replaced with cork tile, and it was quite good down south because um, we had these north-facing windows that, in winter, when the sun's low, it'd come in and heat these cork tiles up and hold onto the heat. But no, you still need to chuck the fire on. But yeah, yeah, the fire stays on year round. No, surely no. no. <laughs> You've lived down there. Sum- I ha- I summer's have. summer. Yeah, that's right. It is summer, but I mean, it still gets cool in the mornings and the evenings. Like. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it definitely doesn't have that residual kind of like humid heat that we get into the <laughs> night. It's like, oh my god! It's... Uh, this is a classic like Southland defensive yarn. But my grand and her husband came down from Auckland, and they were naked. And they go, oh, it's because it's a dry heat. 
<laughs> it's a it's a classic like oh feels feels like you know uh this this hot yeah actually at bay dreams um one of the guys i was always put up a photo i think it said 20 28 degrees or something and he put feels like 36 so i was like oh that's a, cla- that's a yeah, classic yeah, yeah, he's not even from bad plenty i thought don't need to defend bad plenty hawks bay people like that eh? every time it rained i'd be like what's this stuff <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. They're a desert, right? Yeah, yeah. Never raged Hawks Bay. Yeah. It's like, all you need to do is speak to some my brother who lives in Australia, and he's like, oh, what is it over there? It's like, I think we had 27, maybe. Mm. The other, and he was like, come over here when it's 37. Ah. Yeah, 38 at night, 38 at night, and you've got no econ. Far out. Don't advise that. Yeah, exactly. Like, that is... Y- y'all must be lizards like, <laughs> these are lizard people <laughs> yeah exactly you know like I, I don't know how people survive in that sort of temperature with minimal heating yeah. stuff you know yeah. to keep yourself regulated it's Amazing. brutal 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 yeah so you, you brought up Zane Zane there for all the brothers yes talked to, talk to him yesterday um, what's what's the sort of me- mental health aspect of apprenticeship it's uh it's simply in in trying to be in honest as much as possible because I think we can all agree that, you know, everyone sort of goes through these, you know, ups and downs, I think, and you know, some worse than others, some really extreme. But I think it's it is very much so just about being honest with it. Like you ha- if you have some sort of following, I think it's you know, it, it's on you to sort of be as transparent as possible when it comes to um, your mental health. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, since since the head injury, where it was basically what how I would describe it as like a full reset, mm. you know, like you sort Control, of... Control, delete, mate. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And you, you lose those coping mechanisms that you sort of spent 25, 26 years kind of developing and sort of managing pretty well. So it was, um, you know, like a... Um, I try and be as honest as possible about my the medication that I take and my ups and my downs and things and you know even the the psychology that I've been through to sort of try and work through my own like past traumas and stuff like that. So it's um yeah like it's it is it's totally about being honest with yourself and that's like typically one of the harder people to be honest with. And yourself, you say. Yeah. 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 And and then um. I'll be like fortunately it's 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 almost like a little anonymous because you 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 have that space where it's 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 out there on the internet, but it's like you know you and I are here sort of thing mm. like it's there's still a little gap, so it is it's for people who are looking for a little bit more than just your kind of like tool review and and, <laughs> and building update sort of thing it's like nah man the you know like the we have a a mentality of the toughen up and Mm. things like that and it's really that's not good enough for a lot of people mm. with people who've had traumatic traumatic pasts and don't really know how to manage it as well and um just to allow things to you know to put it out there and allow for them to if they want to talk they they can talk to you and i think that's what zane does such a fantastic job and and, and for all the brothers mm. as a whole as well you know they've created a platform where people are a little bit more confident to have a conversation and things like that so that's just been my whole ethos when it comes to my mental health like it's been a it has been a battle man um especially since the like i, I can't lie and say that my 
the first 25 years of my life weren't sort of free of any kind of dark states and things like that but I just think it wasn't as it was it was exacerbated by the fact that it you know I had the full reset Mm. in 25 so you know it's it was just um yeah it was it's it's tough so you know to to stop for a moment and remove yourself and think you know if all these other people are going through you know dare I say everyone has some sort of notion of what it's like to go through low periods or you know manic periods and things like that it's sort of you know give it allow yourself to see that make it okay for other people as well Mm. you know give them that opportunity to feel the way they want to feel and then maybe they can articulate it a little bit better once they've seen someone else bring it up as well so it's um it's uh that's 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 me in a nutshell is Mm. is to try and be as transparent as possible when it comes to the mental health like and and as it as it comes as well i'm not it's not my full focus but Mm -hmm. it is most certainly a focus of mine yeah nice so you you brought up the um coping mechanisms so we've all got this you know in our past element of of trauma and and you often hear said dragon reiterates it a bit that the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's happened to you and so that's your perspective on, on highs and lows and you know valleys and, and, and peaks um, and you, you brought up the coping mechanisms to get through that you know and that's how you know we are still here today we've, we've we created some sort of behavior in order to deal well at continue on um, to try and minimize what happened or in order to function in some capacity in the world you know you're still here <laughs> you haven't op- opted out type, type thing but when that coping mechanism is no longer serving you because the trauma is now in the past and it's meaning that you know you're not in full capacity for others how how does if, if you can see that in someone, how does one go about addressing that, hey, that coping strategy is no longer working for you, you know, acknowledge what's happened, but we need to move into a new way of looking at the world, new way of behaviour. Um, hopefully, uh, I guess the word is safety. You're, you're in, a, in a now, you know, the trauma's not there anymore, it's not a threat anymore. You know, we can create a new narrative how does one go about identifying that in a, in a friend or a relationship um ultimately it's it's kind of uh allowing them to come to that conclusion themselves yeah like uh, i've often felt like if, if someone is trying to tell you something or preach something at you it's you're more likely to retort and think you know fuck that mm. excuse the language but you know whereas you know and this is this whole thing about creating a conversation. It's not, it's a the conversation is between two people. It yeah. shouldn't just be, you know, someone speaking at you, telling you that you need to change. It is totally the idea that, you know, okay, we need to grow and move and, and what can we do? And it's, it's within that person to try and figure it out for themselves and for you just to be, to be there to support them sort of thing. Well, that, that's how I've always felt is that it's a, just a support thing. Mm-hmm and that they feel com- comfortable and confident to be able to sort of go through that change, mm. easy, hard, what have you sort of thing. So, um, 
yeah, it's it's not so much about being this sort of figure where they can come, you know, like a mechanic, and they, you know, that you come to for them to fix you, sort mm-hmm. of thing, or you fix them, what have you. Good cosplay song. Yeah, <laughs> 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 kind of fitting for the uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the topic as well. Um, yeah, so it's it's a. Uh, it's it's simply about sort of getting them to a place where they're they're confident enough to be able to make that change in themselves because mm. ultimately I'm not going to be able to make that change for you. On the flip side, how do you feel about when you've left someone behind? That's a, it's that becomes quite tough because there's a there's a time frame, isn't there? Absolutely, and, and potential is an odd thing, and we always try to see the best in people. And hope for the best, and especially uh, like in a partnership, um, you're you're entering into a partnership for uh, you know trusting that you're both going to move forward. You know, and, that can, and that's friendships to relationships. You know, if those people, if you're growing and, and you're growing in separate ways, what do you do? It's, and it's such a hard. Man, <laughs> fascinating that you ask a question like that because I've never really been faced with it before. But yeah. um, um, yeah. Uh, like that, admittedly, like in in some circumstances, they do have you know their sort of in dates or periods or you know they have this kind of portion of time in your life, and then it's just time to sort of move on or move in a different direction. I I honestly couldn't tell you mm. like when that time is, no, because it sort of just presents itself as it happens, sort of thing. But um, you know, in my life, it's sort of I have left a lot of friends behind. Like my 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 core people are my my daughter and my wife. Mm. Like wholly one hundred percent, and I struggle to sort of maintain the friendships mm-hmm. outside of this because I just want to spend as much time as I can with my wife and daughter, basically. Mm. And you know, that can be quite hard for some of your friends who sort of need that constant reassurance in your face in their life sort of thing but I mean you've primarily you've got to do right by yourself Mm. and then once you're kind of in a position where things are a lot more suitable and stable and you've got these processes in place that's when you can kind of offer a little bit more time back to your your friends and if some some people can't quite manage that then you know like that's their sort of time to move on if some people are patient enough for it then Mm. you know they're sort of worth their weight. And if you're worth for them to be patient and wait as well, then I mean, that's just that added bonus that they're also, they've put the energy in to still be in your life mm. after you've gone through this phase of, you know, growth with your, your baby girl. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, admit, like I said, I'm, I'm terrible with maintaining those friendships, but it all kind of, dare I say happens for a reason I was about to say that's probably at this point in time too that's you know that's one of one of the awesome things sorry guys um. <laughs> yeah no you're good yeah uh, yeah like and and that's what I think um, speaks to like true true friends is that they can allow you their time and um, and, it, and it's kind of having that if you're the, in that position and you're waiting on somebody uh, sort of being being removed from the outcome. Like it's it's great that if you know I I have trust that this person is going to come back to me 
and it's also great if they're not if they if their journey doesn't come back to me well then that's also okay and that's that's their journey i think it's uh a little bit of looking into yourself that i'm happy with myself and i'd love for that person to be part of it and if they can't be a part of it that's also their path yeah it's, it's like it's tough tough one it was one of the uh, when i put out to anyone have any questions you know, it was one of the ones that sort of came up well the question was like how do you, how do you approach um someone who if you're growing and you're trying to bring it up and it's I've sort of put it to to, to Zane and I put it to um, Stefan and I put it to Sam yesterday, and it was sort of that that point that came out about you've got to be all right in yourself and you've got to love yourself, and then you can move out. And sometimes you need to to an to an extent retreat to yourself. And um, so when my partner and I separated last year, I was doing coaching through work it was supposed to be business coaching and ended up being relationship coaching he <laughs> <laughs> was like you're doing great in the, the rest of life you're healthy you're, you're you know striving for, for things you're thinking about this business the right way you know you're thinking about optometry the right way but that of those four core pillars relationships not going so well so we, we did all this sort of stuff and then it sort of came out that hey no we're going to be separating and he said so the, it's very natural to retreat to the cave uh to find yourself and just be aware of how far deep you're going in that cave and also that you do need to come back out eventually yeah and and the timing the timing of it was that it ended up being COVID and I was working for my mate on and staying with him on his farm and so it was semi a cave everyone was isolated so that was forced isolation but Yep, it was in in vast vast space and um, had the rohini's there and it was great and two people um, around me that we got got to hang out with and laugh with and you know muck around with had a sort of you know a purpose to do you know fixing fences and roll, rolling up wire and um, awesome scrub, great great things to learn yeah you. scrub cutting moving stock yeah looking at hawks bay a drought and going shit this is bad. Yeah, you know that, that, that's one of the things I got out. Of. Like, if this is the worst of of what farming is, is this something that you're prepared to? And you know, potentially for worse, is this something that you're prepared to do? And I was like, that was another good lesson. That I think that I'm still passionate about farming and the way that people in in that sector and that community handled it, and then the rest of the country handled it. Meanwhile, there's a pandemic going on, and yeah. feed, feed and stuff's being shipped around the country. Like, yeah, but. And then, as I said, I moved to right. I'm going to do this marathon. I was interacting with people still, still going to work. You know, getting to see my daughter, establishing those things, and then slowly moving out. And you know, that's that's a that's a process, and that takes time. And that's just an individual story. Absolutely, know? it's not no one else's story, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it, it is tough when you're seeing the potential in somebody, and it's uh, a relationship or a friendship, and you want to help them, but it does take own person's story doesn't it absolutely absolutely and that's you know they no one can rush it no one can speed it along it's sort of it just interrupts it if anything yeah you know it's sort of it's it's so personal yet we so like so quickly forget about that and personal side of things because a lot of stuff these days is so impersonal and it's so open to mm. a wider public you know mm. dare i say the double-edged sword of social media is that you know 
we might lay it all out there as well but you know then you're then you're open to other people's opinions and depending on how sensitive you are to that as well like it can have a real impact on on how you sort of approach what should be your own personal mm. um, questions and conversations i think what i'm really enjoying seeing is you know Movember was, oh, yeah. was about awareness and even that side of things is turning into wellness or, or uh, as Jimmy Hunt and Dr. Paul Wood put it, uh, fitness, actually Brown Schofield here at, yep. at AUT, mental fitness and what does it mean to be mentally well and taking and providing actions and modelling actions and that's like what you're doing, what Zane's doing, what uh, Jake Jensen's doing at Misfits, you know, these are the actions. We're we're all people. We're all people that have been through stuff, and this is our tools. And we're gonna show that for you to mirror that. And if you identify with one of these, then hopefully it helps you. And hopefully, um, us relaying how we identify things and how the needle slowly moves, and you become more and more aware of what you're doing and when you're having a good time and when you're having a not so good time and how quickly you can catch yourself on that bad time. Whereas before you just, like we said, kept along with that coping pattern. Absolutely. And it's, it's amazing that you say, like, because I think as you go on and as you grow in age, dare I say, like, that's when you become a little bit more sensitive to the fact of seeing these patterns. And it's, you know, it's almost a shame that you, you sort of, you go through this early life sort of like, almost separating yourself from these feelings because you, you know you're feeling this way for a certain reason and you kind of almost you split you know you, you're just someone else for a little while mm. whereas now you sort of you you allow yourself and that's that's the whole thing about my parenting is that you know you you want to be you want to allow them to feel the way that they feel mm. you know you don't want them to say you know it's okay when it's when it's not okay you know like something's upset your, your child and and it's and that's where you start to get to as an adult is that, you know, now you actually, you're realizing that it's not okay, you're not okay, and that you have to sort of address this. Mm. And that's, that's beautiful in itself because, you know, from there, just everything opens up. Mm. Everything is, uh, you know, like you're personally and emotionally more available because you're aware of yourself, which means you can be... A, it allows you to be a little bit more aware of your partners, mm. how they're feeling, and your children as well, why they're feeling this way. And then, you know, co-workers and bosses and things like that. That's, that's amazing. I think, I think it's um, part of our, our evolution as society. Like, I always look at it like it's a sort of legacy stuff that, you know, my ancestors four generations ago came here from Ireland to because there's nothing left for them really. You know, the, the, the mighty O'Connors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't really know about them, Mulligans. But yeah, same same vibe. You know, they're in a, they're in a um, farmhouse and there's you know six of them. <laughs> the only one can work there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they came to the other side of the world and bloody beach in the Catlins. Um But. Top place that gets. Yeah, it's good, it's good. But it's like, say, they're in a new country, they're establishing getting careers, then they have, have children, and they're, they're still worried about, the, you know, in the case of the Mulligans, you know, Onyx stuff, Orange, Orange League, they, they 
meet up with all the other Anglicans in South Tiri, and then on the O'Connor side, they, you know, had the railway with the with all the Catholics and stuff like that. <laughs> And then two generations later, the two of them get married. I was like, oh, that's, that's awkward. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, come full circle. Yeah. So and, then, like... and then, you know, my mum and dad get to go to university and, and learn and raise us. And, and um, the country itself is on, on the up, you know. Uh, a teacher and a microbiologist can own a house and have three kids. And then there's me and my brothers all do professional degrees. And then it's like, shit, you know, and... Thankfully, we've managed to get in the housing market and have careers, I guess, and you know have less kids. And <laughs> and it's, it's like more of you though, yeah. And it, but it, but it's also like you get to start thinking about heck, what's what's been passed down in all, all of that. Like, what are these traumas that are actually generational, and how is that meant in terms of coping mechanisms that have been passed on the way we raise people and then the way we talk about it and feel it, you know, have the time. We have the time to actually feel it and go, what is that feeling? I don't even know the words for it. And then you look up these feeling wheels and um, like my now my daughter has uh, Aroha's way and, and um, Kui the Kiwi that talk about, you know, when, when you feel like this, that's this uh, emotion and this is how you move through it. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. I'm get, so grateful for it. I get to teach myself that one. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. I'm reading a kid's book. And, like, and, and I said to you, like, my daughter and, and Nicole's daughter, you know, they're only children that are, that, that are, you know, living a sibling life. And over Christmas, I'd, you know, they'd have a little bit of teaching and they'd go off and check in on Aroha's way and... and um, Definitely felt like, yeah, she's my daughter because she'd be on the, the, the page with Aroha that's about anger. <laughs> <laughs> how do I manage it? Yeah, how do I manage it? She's sitting there looking at that. And she can't read yet, but she, she wants to read you. Know, she sounds, sounds out there. You know, just oh, makes sounds sounds like, clever to me, man. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and so you just go on and you read it to her and it's like, you know, uh, breathe it away. Think of it like a stone, throw it into the water and watch it calm and uh, fall into calm. It's like... I could have dealt with that a few times when I was a kid. <laughs> Absolutely. Just to, you know, if, it, if it's not so much that you can't communicate it, but, you know, at least you can feel it. Yeah. And that's, man, watching it fall into calm, oh, my God. <laughs> I feel so much better just thinking about it right now. Yeah. And, and, and this, you know, that's the awesome thing about it. Illustrated bouquet. It's like there's an actual picture of throwing a stone in the, like, falling to the bottom. You know, like, Maybe that's why throwing stones is so great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's why you stand on the edge of a lake and just throw stones, man. Yeah, skim stones. Do you know there's international skimming competitions? Oh, man, I wouldn't be surprised. There's that many TikTok, lakes. Hey. It's opening the world. Oh, sorry, the dog wants to break in. <laughs> She's a bit hot out there, probably. Yeah. Shall we let her in? Where, where do people find you, Ethan? I am only Apprentice Ethan, only on Instagram. Yeah. I, I try and maintain that. So no OnlyFans? <laughs> to be con- you know to be confirmed never say on that never. one never, never say never absolutely I might need a little extra money there's yeah. some tools coming up that I might want to buy and you're not sending personal messages saying you've won to a private account absolutely not yeah. absolutely not no I, I try and keep it as uh, open and transparent as possible I don't do TikTok because I mean I already spend enough time on yeah. Instagram and YouTube so so the only one, and if you're finding any other pages, that's not Ethan. That's right. And, I, you know, you'll know it's me because I'm probably replying to you. 
I try, I try and give people the time of day. If they've if they've made the effort to send me a message, then I'll try and make the effort to send it back. So, <laughs> no, it's, so um, how finish off, mate, is what keeps you in flow. So do you have a, like a mantra or a, or a quote or a way you live your life that is showing up when things are going well and helps you check back in when if things aren't? There's a there's a few. I mean, like ultimately, I just I'd want to be treating people the way the way I want to be treated mm-hmm. first and foremost, because you know, admittedly, at, at face value, building is about construction, but it's a lot more about people. So, mm. you know, if it's the client, then I can treat them as well as possible, and then hopefully something like that is returned to me. You know, treat people the way you want to be treated, and it's a it's a really simple idea, mm. and um, hopefully that just kind of goes out a bit further than you know just the next client or what have you hard out i think, I think that's one of the golden rules isn't it like, absolutely yeah. me it's not it's nothing profound it's nothing new but i mean it's it's so simple that it, like, that's that's how i want it to be okay bro thank you so much thank you for having me man yeah. i really appreciate you coming out and uh coming to my place as well nah. hello this is my house Turn, turns out it was just you know i was standing on the other side of the motorway which is great because the auckland marathon's on and yeah, it would have been a pain going into yeah, the city, right? Yeah, yeah. It had to take out a few marathon runners. It would have been brutal. <laughs> Just have some codes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I oh, know, that's the way to get on the news, not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then it's like, check out the podcast, though. <laughs> <laughs> Got some upcoming. Awesome. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, my God, imagine the state of that. <laughs> yeah, probably wouldn't look too good. The O'Connors, yeah, they, they, they'd no, be, that'd be a bit disappointing. That demise that legacy. That was yeah, just ab- about. absolutely. absolutely. You gave us a full lineage run back from, you know, landing on the shores, and then it ends with, you know, you on the news. 40 marathon oh, runners mowed yeah. down. <gasps> anyway, <laughs> on that really morbid note, sorry. Takawaititi, come at us for the documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Carl Urban can play you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, old um, who's the guy that was Dawson's Creek? That guy. When I was working at um, Freeman and Gray, yeah, I I get that a lot. And I just because like, of that meme when he's crying. Oh, I was just disappointed about it. And yeah. then I then I used to get a little bit of um, Shannon Taylor. And I was like, oh, that's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could take that. Yeah, I could take that. I, just no more of, of, no, no of, more of James. Dawson. No, it was just <laughs> Dawson. No, it wasn't even James Bendick. It was just as Dawson. So I don't even have the piss print, the penis cut going on. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's like, I don't see it at all. Like. Yeah, I'd like, have never had a centre part. So. And what about blonde hair? <laughs> no. Oh, I wouldn't have a baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. I did, also didn't have shaved heads. So I don't know where Channing Tatum came from. <laughs> Own it, man. Own it. They're famous for a reason, eh? Yeah, nice. Sweetie, then. Let's wrap it up. All right. Thanks, mate. <laughs>